Thank you for joining us for today's Practical Living broadcast, and I pray that through this message that you will learn how to apply God's Word and truths to any situation in your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. On the back of your bulletin that you received today, you'll find an abbreviated form of some notes that I'll share with you this evening as we think about this Christmas season and this Christmas Eve together. I'm going to talk to you this evening about help for the hurting, how Jesus came to help the hurting. When we talk about Christmas, we're talking about, obviously, the advent of Christ into our world, and we must understand that when Jesus came, he came with a mission. God sent him here for a reason, for a purpose. He came to fulfill, to do something for each one of us. Jesus spent his growing up years with Mary and Joseph. Ultimately, he goes to John the Baptist. He's baptized, and he starts his public ministry, and as a part of his public ministry at about 30 years of age, he goes to his hometown of Nazareth, and he goes to the synagogue there, and he defines for the people in the synagogue what his ministry was to be. Let me read for you in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, the story of Jesus there in that synagogue and how he describes the purpose for which God had sent him into the world. He, Jesus, went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Would you please say that phrase with me? To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today... The scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus, that day in Nazareth as he's beginning his earthly ministry, he describes for those gathered there and certainly for us as well, as we reflect back on it through the gospel of Luke, the purpose for which he came. And he describes a number of things that he's going to do for people, preach the good news to the poor and proclaim freedom for prisoners, a recovery of sight for the blind. And then he makes this statement, I came to set the oppressed free. And I want to focus on that one little phrase this weekend on this Christmas Eve. He came to set the oppressed free. This is why Jesus came. Now, to understand his purpose, his mission, it's important to understand what he meant by the oppressed. And this Greek word, the original language of the New Testament is Greek, and this particular word in the New Testament is a word that is rich with meaning. It, it basically means to, stro- to choke or to strangle. It's the idea of something coming upon your life that shuts you down, that overwhelms you. Let me read this for you in a variety of translations just for a moment. The ERV translation says, He, Jesus, sent me to free those who have been treated badly. That's the oppressed. To set the burden battered and free, the message paraphrase says. The contemporary English version says, To free everyone who suffers. And my favorite rendering of this particular part of this passage is from the Amplified Bible, where it says, To set free those who are oppressed, downtrodden, bruised, crushed by tragedy. Note three words there downtrodden. That word means to be beaten up, beaten up by life and beaten up by circumstances. Bruised, that's an internal injury that you face. You're bleeding, you're bleeding on the inside crushed to be pressed by something that breaks you apart. And Jesus said, I came to bring healing and freedom for people who are downtrodden 
and people who are bruised and people who are crushed. Now think about those words with me because every one of those words have very significant emotion connected to them. When you think about someone who's downtrodden and someone who is bruised and someone who is crushed, you can't help but have certain feelings of compassion and concern. But what I want us to see this weekend, this Christmas Eve, is to see that when Jesus spoke of these words, he was talking about you and me. He was talking about humanity, the suffering of humanity. He was talking about people who go through hurtful, painful events in their life and experience deep disappointments and have devastating failures and have broken dreams in their life. And I would submit to you that this room tonight is filled with people who would identify with some part of this. They've gone through some kind of suffering. Maybe that's you or you've gone through a devastating, destructive event or a failure in your life or a broken dream in your life. Jesus said, I came for people like that, people like you and me. So I want to talk to you about how Jesus helps us. Jesus said, I came to free the oppressed, the downtrodden, the bruised, the crushed, you and me. We're not talking about the world out there. We're talking about all of us as people in here. And I want to share with you five things I believe will be helpful for you to understand what this means in your life and to especially celebrate it and receive it in this Christmas season. First of all, it means this. It means that Jesus understands your pain. He came to set the oppressed free. It means that Jesus understands your pain. He knows your pain firsthand and completely. Why? Because he experienced it too. See, Jesus went through any and everything that you will ever go through in your life. He faced the same kind of things that we faced. He faced betrayal. He faced the hurt of friends that walked away from him. He faced disappointments in his followers. He faced the pain of... uh, of broken things around him. He faced all that you and I will face, and he understands what we go through and the pain of our own lives. And all of us have pain. Sometimes our pain is very nicely hidden. It's hidden in the nice clothes that we wear and the smile that we plaster on our faces and the nice things we try to say. But nevertheless, many times on the inside, there's the pain that is there. and We wonder, does anybody really understand what I am going through? Does anyone really understand what I'm facing, what I'm experiencing in my life? And maybe there have been times you've tried to share some of your pain with someone else and you realize they don't really get it. They don't really understand what I am going through. I want to tell you tonight that Jesus understands. Jesus understands the deepest dimensions of your pain. Hebrews chapter 4 reminds us of this as the Apostle Paul or the writer of Hebrews tells us inspired by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest. Listen to this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. What, what that means is we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Here's the encouragement for us. Let us then, because he understands us, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Are you glad, as I am, that Jesus understands our pain? He understands it. The second thing that we learn When it says Jesus came to set the oppressed free, it means that Jesus has grace for your failures. Much of our life's pain is caused by our own mistakes, by our own failures, by our own sins. Have you ever been your own worst enemy? Have you ever messed up your own life? 
And you really couldn't blame it on anyone else. It really, if you looked at your life honestly, you knew that all the fingers pointed at you and you were the problem. It was not someone else or something else. It was really you that messed things up. And oftentimes when we have those moments, we feel as though not only we disappointed ourselves and disappointed others, but we feel as though we've deeply disappointed God. And many times we have. And we wonder, can God ever forgive me? Can God ever allow me back into his good graces? Can God accept me again? And there are many, many people And maybe some here this evening that you're walking and living your life with extensive amounts of guilt and shame because of what has happened in your life and the mistakes that you've made. And you wonder, is there any grace for me? Is there any grace for my failures? And over and over again in the Bible, we see Jesus coming to people like this and extending grace to them in their biggest failures, in their weakest moments, in the baddest moment of their life. One of the amazing stories for me that points to this is found in John chapter 8 when there was a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. There was a group of religious people, Pharisees, that grabbed this lady out of the context of her adulterous relationship and brought her to Jesus and threw her at the feet of Jesus and said, Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law says, stone her. What are you going to do? They expected Jesus perhaps to do the very thing they were doing and that was condemn her and perhaps even recommend stoning for her, but Jesus has a different approach. He begins to kneel down and write in the dirt, the dirt, and as he does, all the Pharisees and all of her accusers walk away, and suddenly the spotlight of history comes down upon Jesus and this one lady in the midst of her shame and guilt, and I want you to listen to what Jesus said to her, because what he said to her, he's saying to you as well. Then Jesus stood up again and said to her, this lady caught in adultery, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Now remember, they'd all walked away now. No, sir, he said. Please notice this. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. I am so glad those three words are in the Bible. Neither do I, okay? Neither do I condemn you. And your biggest failures of life, whatever they have been, the biggest mistakes that you've made are, not, are, are never big enough to keep you away from God. Okay? Because your big mistakes, no matter how large they are, how seemingly large they are to you, there's a God of grace. He came to set the oppressed free, and that means that Jesus has grace for your failures. The third thing that we learn from this story, what does it mean when Jesus says he came to set the oppressed free, the downtrodden, the bruised the person that has been crushed by life. It means that Jesus loves you perfectly. One of the deepest disappointments in life will be the disappointment of failed relationships. We've all had them, have we not? We've had relationships that we were counting on. We thought, this is going to finally be the person that loves me. This will finally be the person that I'll have a, a deep and meaningful relationship with. This is going to satisfy me. Finally, I found love. I finally found it, and it's just a matter of time before your love turns into something else, right? Because what you thought was going to be love ultimately becomes disappointments because there is no perfect love in, in the human race. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist among people. And you can find the best person in the world, but they will never be able to love you perfectly. And inside of every one of us tonight, myself, you, all of us included, there's a big old hole in our soul longing for love. 
That's what you want more than anything else. You want to be loved. And I will tell you, no person can ever do that for you. No person can ever fill that deep longing inside of your soul for love. It doesn't exist in our world, but it does exist from heaven. Okay? It does exist from heaven. Okay? There's a love... When the scripture says he came to set the oppressed free, one of the ways that he sets oppressed people free is by reminding them that they are perfectly loved by the Father. That you cannot do anything more to get God to love you more than he already does. He loves you perfectly. John the Apostle. He's the great, he's known as the Apostle of Love. That's what, that's what his moniker is. He's known as the Apostle of Love because he's always writing about love. And he makes this statement in John, 1 John chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Listen to his words. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. That's the love of God. Perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And then he says this. We love because he first loved us. See, God defines what real love is all about. Jesus knows and understands your pain. Jesus has grace for your failures, and Jesus Christ loves you perfectly. That's what it means when he says, I came to set the oppressed free. It also means this. It means that Jesus redeems your brokenness. The word redeemed is a very important word in the Bible. It means to buy back. It's to bring something useful and purposeful out of a difficult situation. That's what it means. To redeem is to take things that have been messed up and bring some kind of order back to them again. Bring, take a mess and make a miracle out of it. That's what redemption is all about. So no matter what your life has been or what you've gone through in life, Jesus is willing and Jesus is able to redeem your brokenness and redeem your pain and redeem your mess. Jesus is able to bring meaning and usefulness to and through your life no matter what you've experienced in life. You say, well, Pastor, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know my past. You don't know my history. You don't know what's happened to me. Certainly nothing good could ever come out of that. No, when it's dependent upon humanity, nothing good can come out of it. But when it's dependent upon divinity, great things can come out of it. Because God is the God who is our Redeemer. He is our Redeemer. David, the psalm writer, he understood this because David faced a lot of painful moments in his life. Study his history. He faced betrayals from his very own family. He faced hatred from King Saul, who tried to kill him. He faced his own failures. Obviously, we know that David had some failures in his life. David faced disappointments, but David learned something about God. And there was a day when David picked up a quill and a scroll, a parchment, and he began to write these words found in Psalm 103, verses 2 through 4. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Please read verse 4 with me together. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Did you see that in Scripture? He redeems your life from the pit. Whatever that pit is, He redeems your life. And some of us have a pretty messy pit, don't we? Okay. See, he didn't say, I redeem your life from, well, as long as you didn't get in a pit. 
No, he says, I redeem. The Lord redeems your life from the pit. He doesn't define what that pit is. It can be a a nasty, messed up pit, but the Bible says that Jesus comes along to redeem us from the pit and crown us with love and compassion. I'm going to ask you to read this verse with me one more time, but I'm going to ask you to change one pronoun. Actually, it's two pronouns. I want you to read it this way, who redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion. Would you read it together with me that way? Who redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion. Now, as I've told all the other services, the first time around, you did pretty good, but you can do better, all right? Let's try it again. Come on, read it like you mean it. Who redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion. Now, this is Christmas Eve, so you need to be giving some gifts. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to give a gift right now. You ready for this? Okay. Are you ready? Okay. More blessed to give than receive, right? Right? So here's what you're going to do. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds in just a moment. I want you to look at a couple of people around you. I want you to point at them and let them point back at you and say these words. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. You got 30 seconds. Do it. Go ahead. Tell somebody. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you, your life with love and compassion. Come on. This is, this is crowd participation. Are you hearing that tonight? Aren't you glad Jesus came? Aren't you glad Jesus came? Why? Because finally, there's somebody that understands your pain. Finally, okay? You try to get somebody to understand your pain and all your life, and finally, I'm telling you, somebody understands your pain, okay? And his name is Jesus. You look for grace for your failures, and, and Jesus said, I have grace for your failures. I have grace enough for you, no matter what you've done, the experiences of your life. You've looked for love, and Jesus said, I am perfect love for you. He says, I'm going to redeem you from your brokenness, but let me give you one more. Is that okay? I feel like preaching tonight. Is that all right? Okay. Yes, sir. This is my, how many services have I done today? I can't even lost count of these. Okay, so number five, Jesus restores your losses. My goodness, we're going to have a revival right now, okay, okay? He restores your losses. He restores your losses. Jesus is not only a redeemer, he's a restorer. Jesus brings back lost things in your life. Well, what lost things, Pastor? Well, Jesus can bring back the opportunities you lost. Out of your own mistakes or foolishness or whatever it might have been, he's able to do that. He's able to bring back your lost hopes and dreams. Did you know that? You thought they were gone. But Jesus is able to to restore lost hopes and lost dreams. Jesus, yes, he's even able to restore lost relationships. Did you know that? Relationships that you thought were gone. I'll never have a relationship with that person again. We've had too much water under that bridge. Too much pain in that relationship. It could never be restored. Jesus steps in. And I've seen husbands and wives who thought they would never be able to get back together again. And Jesus steps in and brings them back together again. And the bitterness and the resentment and the hatred is removed. And love returns to their lives again. Why? Because Jesus is a restorer. He restores lost relationships. Jesus restores lost resources in your life. The things the devil has stolen away from you. There's a great story in the Bible, the Old Testament. 
Most of you will know this story. You probably know probably the first part of the story. I'm not sure how many of you know the last part of the story. The first part of the story is a story of a man who lost basically everything. His name was Job. He lost his wife. He lost his kids. He lost his financial resources, all of his investments. He lost his livestock. He lost everything. Read the book of Job. You'll see he lost, it. lost his friends. And he's struggling about his, with his relationship with God, wondering if he's lost that even. And so you see all these losses in Job's life, but you come to the end of the book of Job, and there's a foreshadowing of the work of Jesus in our lives in the life of Job. And I want you to see the very last chapter, because we've been reading 41 chapters of Job, and you see all this pain and all these losses and all these things that are happening to Job, but we get to chapter 42, which is the last chapter of this book, and I want you to listen to what happened to Job in the end, because it seems like a fairly hopeless case. Would you agree with me? He's lost his wife, he's lost his kids, he's lost his investments, his finances, he's lost his job, he's lost, his, he's lost everything. And you think, what in the world is going to happen to this guy? Well, take a look with me in Job chapter 42, verse 10, when Job prayed for his friends. These are friends that hadn't been very nice to him. When Job prayed for his friends, notice this, the Lord, what's the next word there? Restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Verse 12 says, so the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life more than in the beginning. Do you believe that God can bless the second half of your life more than he did the first half, okay? Do you believe that? Okay. Do you believe that your story is not over yet? See, somebody told you, hey, it's the end for you. You said, no, no, Jesus got another chapter. Okay. I haven't gotten to chapter 42 yet. I'm getting to chapter 42 because in chapter 42, all that stuff has happened in chapters 1 through 41. Yeah, all that bad stuff. Guess what? There's a chapter 42 coming in my life, okay? There's a chapter 42 coming in my life where there, I, I, God is going to bless me, as, as some pastor said one time, give me double for my trouble, amen, okay? And restore my life. Jesus said, he said this when he started his ministry. He said, I want you to know who I am. I want you to know why I came from heaven to earth. I came to set the oppressed free. And that means I understand your pain. It means I have grace for your failures. It means that I love you perfectly. It means that I can and will redeem your brokenness. And it means that I can restore your losses. I am thankful for Christmas. How about you? I am glad that Jesus came from heaven to earth for you and for me. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Jesus, thank you. We can't thank you enough for your willingness to leave the glories of heaven and come down to earth. This nasty place is broken, filled with sin. A lot of messed up people, but you came. You left heaven. You came down for people like me, people like us broken people, downtrodden, oppressed, bruised, bleeding, crushed. But you saw us and you loved us so much, you said, I'm leaving heaven and going down on a rescue mission. I'm coming to free them. And Lord, we thank you for that. This Christmas Eve, we're grateful for it. We pray that we would live not just only in an attitude of gratitude, but an attitude of faith, believing 
that you're doing these things in our lives. And we'll give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And Lord, I pray tonight for anyone that's here who's never given their life to Jesus. I pray that in this moment they would open their life to you. They would not leave here tonight without welcoming you into their life. We ask it in your precious name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me. And I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. And you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out. And from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God. And I promise you that he will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of his name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.